0: Hey family, welcome to episode 76 of the Kinship Collective Podcast. We are ending otherness together and cultivating kinship through content and community. With Thanksgiving coming up, I think about all of the change dynamics and the ways that when our life changes, sometimes relationships change around us, or when relationships change around us, how our entire life life changes. It made me think about how we deal with forced evolution when all the circumstances of our lives change in an instant or the moments when we have to grieve a future we never got to have, but we realize was never meant for us. This week, Sarah Wineland joins us to share about her divorce and her evolution into her truest self. She shares about how being betrayed was also being freed. She shares about how such deep pain became, such deep joy. We discussed how faith impacted this whole journey for her. Without further ado, here's Sarah wineland. Today, we get to hang with an incredible human. I got to know her through COVID. We started a small group, community group together online just before COVID or during COVID. And uh, it was kind of uh, Karen and I's first kind of step back into a more intimate Community setting with after kids and all this stuff. And she was an incredible leader. She pursued each of us, kind of um, hearing each of us, creating space for each of us. And I was so uh, inspired by the ways that she did that so faithfully. And in the midst of that, she experienced her own kind of um, tumultuous life happenings. And Instead of quitting or shutting things down, which I wouldn't have judged, she opened up and opened up to us. And we all kind of got to hold each other through, obviously, COVID and through some of these life changes. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to introduce to you today, Sarah Wineland. Give it up for Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, thanks for making time to hang out today.
1: Thank you so much for asking me to be here, Mark. Yeah,
0: Sarah, I, it's it's interesting. I'm thinking about like naming the kinship collective. I I think I came up that <laughs> name. I posed some names, and I remember going do brainstorming in the small group. Uh, I know that. Every month when we look at people who are supporting us and making things happen, making it even possible, your name is on that list of someone who is supporting and making it happen. So I'm so grateful for you and and even more grateful that you would share some of your story today.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be able to share my journey and you know, one of the biggest gifts of going through something this kind of life-altering and and difficult is that it's opened up so much possibility for me to show up in the lives of other people. Um, so I'm excited to, to hopefully share something that will be helpful to, to others, um, whether they can relate to what I went through specifically or not. Hmm.
0: Well, Sarah, Um, I I don't want to tell your story for you. Would you share about how life began to change for you as the whole world was changing
1: Yeah so um I moved out to Los Angeles um about a year before no 6 months before the pandemic hit um and I moved out for um my husband's fellowship um at USC and about six, seven months into the pandemic, he decided that he didn't want to be married anymore. Um, and it was very sudden. I had no idea that he was even considering any of that. Um, so to find myself suddenly navigating a completely unexpected separation and divorce um, that Unfortunately, quickly became very contentious um, despite my every every effort to figure out how to make it a, you know, I bought conscious, uncompling. I was so determined, like, if I'm going to be doing divorce, I'm going to do it so well and so kindly. Mm.
0: And,
1: um, and it just... Unfortunately, it kind of has to be both parties for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I found myself navigating something that felt very misaligned with what I had put into the marriage. Um, And navigating that in the middle of a pandemic. I'm living in a new city. I have new friends. Um, I'm living alone for the first time in my life. Um, and this was while the wildfires were really bad. Um, and just to make it more exciting, I also broke my nose, oh. um, oh. <laughs> like two weeks after he oh. left <laughs> surfing. So it was for a good cause, but, um, yeah, it was just, I, I've seen divorce, you know, it's. It's one of those things that's so common. You see it, but you you kind of don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liken it to a car accident um, where we see it all the time. You see a bad accident, you drive by, and you go, oh, man, I hope those people are okay. Um, but you you really don't think about it once you've driven by. And I... I think that's what I realize is that I've seen divorce all around me my my whole life, and I've never really given much thought to to how it affects this person's life in every way possible. Similar to a car accident, probably does mm-hmm. through you know emotional or physical trauma, um, finances, uh, you know the ability to engage the world in the way that you have up until that point. Um it's just been really interesting to me to, to see it from the inside and realize like, wow, so many people go through this very common thing that if you haven't gone through it, you don't necessarily understand that it is absolutely earth shattering mm. in every way.
0: Mm. Wow. I, I've never thought of divorce in that way because I haven't been through it. Potentially, (laughs) but it, that, that makes a lot of sense. It, it, it gives me a lot of imagination for the way that that would feel. I want to go back to you feeling completely blindsided, you know, having no idea Mm. that your partner was feeling that way. (laughs) Can you share a little bit about that feeling? Because one of the things you mentioned is I had put so much into this. I'm curious about that because it's just completely off the track maybe of like your investment. What was happening was not congruent with your investment in the relationship. And that's where I want to understand the feelings of like that initial shock, grief, or or whatever you're feeling, disbelief. Can you name some of those feelings? Oh
1: gosh. I mean, I I was just, sick. Mm. Um, he, he asked for a divorce um, in the middle of a, uh, remote <clears throat> zoom session, therapy session. Um, so I just, just complete shock. And then I spent the next, I don't know, three days in bed, just get only getting up to you know, dry heave, I was just so sick to my stomach. Mm. Um, Just this sense of like realizing that everything that you had planned for and been working towards is gone in an instant. Even things, there's so much about the, I think I said this in another um, conversation, but there's so much about the future that never was meant to be um, Uh, that you, you suddenly see it leaving and things like knowing what my children were going to look mm. like, um, knowing that we had been, we were together for seven years and we were together through the entirety of his um, post-grad training Um and so we were in kind of student mode. I obviously have been in the workforce for many years, um, but we were, it felt like we were in the not yet mode, mm-hmm. the waiting mode. And I was so, so looking forward to this time of just being done with the not yet, um, being able to. Um have enough income to buy a house and to kind of get settled the whole white picket fence mm-hmm. thing, which I was really um, had been looking forward to that mm. Mm. I, I don't think just this sudden this this sudden it just feels like you know, like a house of cards, you don't realize that it was that's what you were building, but it just in an instant it's all gone and you're sitting there going. Oh my gosh! How did I not see this coming?
0: Mm-hmm. Wow! When when you say that, how did I not see this coming? <sighs> that um, I guess in hindsight it, it becomes clearer. Maybe you can.
1: It really you read, does. <laughs> you
0: read the da- you read the data differently in hindsight, looking yeah. back. And I guess before, when yeah. you're looking at the data, you're still looking ahead. You can't. You're not measuring this for. This is actual reality. This is like student reality. This is the hard reality because this person is doing their Mm -hmm. post-grad training because I'm in doing this. So this isn't what it will be like then, but never having the opportunity to get there. But one thing that you mentioned, you said um, the future that was never meant to be, that you had to to grieve that future, kids, what the kids would look like, those kinds of things. How long did it take you to get to a place to accept that reality?
1: Mm. It has felt like a very gradual process. Um, I don't think I realized how unhappy I was in my marriage mm. until I had some space from it. Um, and for that, I am grateful that I am no longer in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and unfortunately, I think this is one of the saddest things about my divorce actually, is that it did not take very long for me to realize that I was happy that I was no longer with him. Mm -hmm. I think that's the saddest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of, uh, an unexpected piece of the divorce that like, I didn't miss him. It was, it was only like a couple months. I like didn't miss him anymore. It was more of like the missing having your person, um, you know, feeling angry about all I had put into the marriage and ways that I had um, sacrificed a lot for the marriage that, you know, I, I of course didn't do it f- so that I would be repaid in the end, but that's kind of the expectation, right? <laughs> you give. And then it'll be reciprocated at some point later. Um, so, uh, I think it was, I think just the more about the, the fact that I realized that marriage had not meant the same thing to him as it had to me. Mm. Um, that loss felt much bigger. Um, mm. Because when you commit yourself to someone forever, you know they're saying, "I'm gonna be your person forever, I'm gonna cherish you and love you forever, I'm gonna be in your corner forever." And when that the loss of that felt so difficult. and then, of course, as you mentioned, um, i I'm still afraid that I'm never gonna have kids mm. um. You know that, as you know, I've I've been I've done several egg retrievals, and that has been its own journey. Um, but I, it it feels like things like that. So I'll just use the egg retrieval as an example. But um, things like the egg retrieval, where it has been so difficult to go through that, it's expensive. Injecting yourself with hormones is it, you know, I get really depressed, exhausted for several months after just so much sacrifice to go through something like that because of someone else's decision. Um, that is where like the loss has felt the most acute, if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, and there's been a lot of a lot of different components of my life where it's felt so much harder. Um, even just trying to find a home that I could afford to live in and deciding to have roommates. And, um, it's like, it's just felt very unfair. Like I can't believe I'm having to go through this because the person that I, that promised to cherish me forever decided that he didn't want to do the work
0: Mm -hmm. for me, Sarah, when, when I hear you share that, a couple of questions come to mind. I guess the the first or the most important one becomes, how do you make sense or how where do you sit right now with the reality of the, I feel like I shouldn't be having to go through this, but I'm having to mm-hmm. go through it because of someone who wasn't willing to do the work, which you said, yeah. and the kind of dissonant belief about this really wasn't the person I wanted to do the work with Mm -hmm. or that I was my fullest self with or whatever? Like, how do you hold them both?
1: That's been difficult. And I hope one day I can say something along the lines of like, (laughs) it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think where I am now is I just kind of wish I'd never met him. Mm. Um, And I, I guess that's how I've kind of, put it together in my head where I wish that I had been more in touch with my own gut and my own self when I was choosing who to marry and when to get married. And, you know, I think there's a lot wrapped up in that when it comes to like Christianity and purity culture Mm -hmm. and um, just the expectation that, you know, I, we started dating um, in my late twenties. And at that point I was so sure that like, oh my gosh, I'm so old. I have to get married. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've, I've gone over this so many times with my family and my therapist and um, you know, I, I think that I made a very logical choice to get married um, to this person. Um, and we had a lot of really great things going for us. Um, however, I look back and see so many ways that I was not kind of true to my essence um, and true to what I wanted out of this life. Um, the kind of um, core values that I hold, um, I don't think that we aligned on that. Um, and I I just think I made a logical choice instead of a wise choice, Mm. if that makes Mm -hmm.
0: sense. Were you in tune with that at the time? So you started that by saying like, I wish I was more in tune with my essence or in tune with my gut. Mm. Did you like, did you know that your values were disaligned at the time, but you made a logical choice to um, betray that awareness or, or yeah. How would you describe that?
1: Yeah. It felt more subconscious to be honest. Um, I think there were a lot of. Way, social justice, for example, is incredibly important to me. It's it's, it really has my sense of justice has guided so many of my decisions, um, career wise and life wise. And, um. He kind of said a lot of the right things, and I let myself believe that, even though I, I think in my gut, I knew it wasn't something that was as important to him. Um, mm. I think that's a, like a good example of how I just didn't quite go deep enough in being wise. Mm. Um, I also, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned as I've healed from this is my I'm a two wing one on the enneagram, which means I'm the helper, and wing one means that I um, am a perfectionist. I'm a justice seeker, and I realized coming out of this, it, almost all of my relationships have been I've I've and I take full responsibility for this. I've created a, dana- a dynamic where. I am kind of mothering the person or creating codependency where I just go above and beyond like crazy to make sure that they have everything they need, that I'm like, I become their life manager and they love it, of course, Mm. (laughs) because it's, but it's (laughs) this really unhealthy dynamic. Um, And I think, as you know, I'm also someone who cares very much about equal partnership and um, I was very vocal about that the whole time we were together, but I I don't know that I embodied mm. that. And so I think when I started pushing back on that and trying to embody it for myself, cause he was, like I said, he was in training and he was in very, very intense training. Um, and as he was ending his training, I saw that he had more capacity to kind of be an equal partner and I, I kind of held him to that and, um, I know that's, I mean, he's, he quoted that as one of the reasons that he was leaving, that he needed someone who didn't care as much about equal partnership. And I, I kind of take responsibility for realizing that I, I created a codependent dynamic um, in that, mm-hmm. that kind of set me up for failure if I was going to actually truly live into my values.
0: Wow. Wow. Um, mm. Sarah, you, you've mentioned something <laughs> several times along this journey, and I'm sure that it creates a sense of power instead of a sense of powerlessness that this is happening to me. You keep saying, I take responsibility and you're communicating so much self-awareness about your way of being that created a reality around you to support some of that. Uh, I, I am also mm-hmm. a two two wing three Mm -hmm. and um there are ways that again we could go deep into that rabbit hole (laughs) but my way of being right it's there I'm I'm just thinking about the payoff so the 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 payoff of me creating the system where you need me is that I'm always needed but then if I try to change those dynamics then then the other person might feel like I'm pull
1: you're changing I'm the, contract. Pulling the rug out from isn't what you. I signed up exactly. for exactly yeah
0: but it, it never fully served me I was always hoping for reciprocity right or or that the sense of value at least yeah. my for me personally but you
1: yeah even if you don't realize it it's it's part of the subconscious to kind of motivation mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. so would you would you talk to me a little bit about responsibility and how that that has um, empowered you along the way like how have you taken responsibility what do you remember some of the small steps because at first you you shared like you're in shock the rug gets pulled Mm -hmm. out from under you and you're like this Mm -hmm. isn't the reality you're faced with a new future you never imagined a new now you never imagined you're dealing with all that how does you taking responsibility empower you in that?
1: I think it means that i can I can trust my gut. I can well, first of all, I can pay attention to my gut more um, in any major life decisions um, and especially choosing a partner again. Um, I think I, I think I really did know deep down that he wasn't quite aligned with the kind of partner that felt like he could meet me where I was at in terms of um, you know commitment to justice or depth or profundity or um, like approaching the world with curiosity and adventure. I, I, do you remember we, we did the core values exercise, the Brene Brown core values mm-hmm. exercise in our small yeah. group. Um, so I had done that a couple of weeks before I led you all through it. And, um, my core values were, um, belonging. So community wonder that sense of like awe of the world around us, um, justice, an adventure. And I spent, you know, my late teens and my early 20s living and working around the world. And that was a huge part of who I am. And, you know, I I became a quote unquote adult, got a very corporate responsible job, started dating um, this guy and got married. And I kind of, put those aside. I feel like I, I I forgot the wonder and adventure part of myself. And um, that has been the biggest gift to kind of bring those back. Um, and so I think just this like sense of like coming home to myself, coming home to who I always was, mm-hmm. um, has guided me and, and helped me feel like, I wouldn't say like that there was purpose on all of this, but making me feel like I can, there is a lot of beauty and growth and a second chance on this other side, which a lot of people don't get.
0: Mm. Mm. <laughs> My, I'm, I'm so curious. My mind is going in so many ways. <laughs> I want to go back to you talked about subconscious, and I'm thinking about what I love. You know, when we talked prior to recording, your story, the way that this shakes out, having this life. You know, the car accident. Some people go through a car accident. Some people have an injury. Some people have a death in the family. Some people experience divorce. Mm -hmm. But you go through this life-altering thing. And we've all been through some sort of it to some degree. Yeah. Um, And I'm thinking about how do we get in touch with the the gut checks along the way. Mm-hmm. So still in that same frame of thought, when you're thinking like, okay, I always knew that awe and adventure, wonder, um, were a part of how I wanted to be in the world, whether I'd articulated them yet or not, they were still, they were a part of me. Right. Do right. you ever, do you ever recall, betraying a sense of those or trading them. Do you remember any moments where you consciously chose your previous partner over yourself? Do you ever look back at any, like any specific moments where you're like, I knew right there and I didn't follow.
1: Mm. So I felt like there were many conversations we had around social justice where, Um, it would feel his beliefs would feel very misaligned with mine and I would kind of come at him a little too hard on it. And, um, he would backtrack to the point of where it felt like we agreed and that happened before and after we got married and like things that honestly were kind of deal breakers um, like pretty big things and he would kind of backtrack on it. And part of that is that I don't think because he was in training for so long, I think that he had not fully developed his sense of self and had not ever felt like he had permission to truly have his own beliefs. Um, and that was some of the dysfunction in his family dynamic that was then I think transferred to me as his wife. Um, so I feel like I had a very strong sense of self and he did not. And so, um, when he would have, when we would have these conversations and I would be honestly kind of like really concerned about what he was conveying, um, he would backtrack it. Um, And, and I would leave the conversation feeling like, okay, that was a little concerning, but you know, we got to where I wanted us to go. (laughs) Um, and I wish that I had like now I, if someone tells me something, I believe them. Right. Um, I think that we need to I definitely do not believe that you can change anybody and you should never try.
0: Sarah, you, you talked about some some ways that you could sense that there were some, some value incongruencies that were pretty deal breaker-ish. Would you share a little bit about becoming aware of that prior to being married and then after being married and some of the feelings you felt around that.
1: Sure. So there were, there were several conversations that we had, I would say more so before we got married, some after we got married, honestly a lot. We had a lot of them this summer before um, he left um, a lot of it was around, you know, summer 2020 it was the BLM mm-hmm. movement. It was, wow. there was a lot of talk around racial justice and, um, so I, it felt like it was more cute at the beginning of our dating and then at the end of our marriage, um, uh-huh. where he would express, um, opinions and beliefs that felt, um, very misaligned with my own. Um, and I would, we would have conversations about it. Um, and I would sometimes come in really hard, um, and be like, how, how on earth can you believe this? Which is not the right way to have <laughs> a helpful conversation, especially with your spouse. Um, but, um, I think it was partly because I was frustrated with myself for choosing someone that believed that way. Um, Mm. But I think where, where I could have listened more to my gut was, you know, if someone is conveying beliefs and then you have a conversation with them and they kind of backtrack, um, the truth is, you know, he was, he was trying to kind of, keep the peace and please me. And, um, I, I think that was, you know, he didn't have quite a strong enough sense of self, um, that he felt like he could say, no, actually this is what I believe. Um, and I, I very strong, you know, in dating now, if someone tells me <laughs> something about who they are or what they believe, you know, I, there is no part of me that, doesn't believe them and and wants to change them. I'm like, this is who you are. I believe that. That's a deal breaker. Cool. It was great to meet you. <laughs> and I feel like that's a huge growth point on my my part. Especially as a two, you're like always kind of trying to like help people be better. And sometimes helping someone be better is subjective, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily say that in this case, <laughs> but, but you know, it's still, it is, it is a little subjective. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to realize that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's one thing that's like coming up for me around how we take in the information about what somebody is telling us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And for me, you know, when people say perception is reality. Yeah. And that's it. I think for me, I've been in a space where it's been like projection is a reality. A lot of times the ways that we're internalizing information is more about our projection. Sometimes we're projecting what we want to be true into a situation or reality. Yeah. And then we are interpreting. That's what, that's our perception becomes what we have projected. And I think that, 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 creates reality for us yeah uh, but it's again back to what you're saying it is extraordinarily subjective i think it can be it can be used in a powerful positive way but it also can sometimes reject reality or prevent us from being able to like see what is really there yeah. that's where we need like other people we need community around us to like show us what's true or remind us of what is true or make sure, am I crazy? This is what I'm feeling right now. Right. Uh, there's So anyway, that's coming up for me, that projection sometimes becomes reality, not just perception. I feel like we've spent a lot of time understanding the context of what happened and some of these mm-hmm. dynamics of what happened. I'm curious about who you have become on the back end of having gone through this shocking devastating future alterating altering um life event who have you become
1: um this is the part i like (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: well i like it all it's all been a journey um it has it has felt like such a gift it has been difficult and frustrating and have has felt very unfair, to be honest, and very much like I've been left behind or like missed my chance to be a mom or, um, you know, be a homeowner even. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's been such a cool. Journey. I just feel like it has made me so much deeper, so much more intentional. Um, it's really opened up my world. And um pretty early on, I made this list of things that I thought I needed to do to heal. Again, that's the one wing. Um, and so I spent, you know, a couple of years just working through that list, you know, one of those things was to write a song um about my experience and so I commissioned um my friend Justin to write a song so we we kind of worked on the lyrics together and he wrote the music and um you know what we came up with was this song called Ready to Believe and it talks about um being ready to believe in phoenixes, as in you know the the bird that rises to the rises from the ashes and is reborn, and um, that's really felt like that's been the case. I I decided very early on that I was not going to let this divorce make me bitter or change the essence of who I was, and mm-hmm. so. I tried very hard in the divorce proceedings, which which felt very, very violating in many ways. I mean, you know, your sweet wife went to court with me, which is Mm. one of the biggest gifts anyone could give. Mm. Um, And just to go through all of that and feel like I've been given this gift of depth. And um, I just remember feeling like there was so much... Joy in the midst of so deep, such deep pain, and that joy felt so tender and like such a gift. It it felt like I was almost given this these lenses that allowed me to cherish the good things about life um, so much more. And you know, I I feel like I've been able to once I kind of got off the wagon of my life is over because I really thought it was I was so depressed I I couldn't function I had to take a short term a short-term disability leave from work because um, I couldn't function and I think it was very important to be very open about all of that because I think people don't realize that it's okay <laughs> to experience mm-hmm. that kind of depth mm-hmm. of despair Um. <clears throat> And on the other side of it, I I am just so happy to have built <clears throat> a life that is adventurous and full of travel and you know life and um I I grew up um, in the middle of the woods in Virginia and I'm very outdoorsy and. It's, it's a huge part of who I am being outside all the time. I need that. Um, and that's a value that we didn't share. And so even just something as small as that, where I just feel like I'm living into who I always was, but kind of like tamped that down so that I could fit into the white picket fence, you know, wife of a very accomplished man, um, Version of myself that honestly, I don't think I ever really wanted, and so I've been given this second chance to build a life that is somewhat unconventional. Um, You know, I try to travel as much as I can. Um, As you know, I'm going to El Salvador and tomorrow I'm going to El Salvador tomorrow (laughs) to surf for ten days. Uh, I'll be working from there and surfing, and um, I in my hope. At this point, you know, I want to build a life with someone who wants to kind of be a global citizen. Um, I want to be able to live in Central America for a couple months out of the year and maybe another country a couple months out of the year and have LA be our home base and figure out how to raise kids in that way. And that is completely different than the life I was building. And mm. mm-hmm. um you know, I started playing music again. I, you know, music is so important to me. And I kind of had stopped playing. And um, I, I think I just felt this sense of being freed while also feeling so b- betrayed.
0: <laughs> mm, wow. Um, yeah.
1: And I, I'm just you know, obviously life is not perfect and there's a lot of frustrations. And, you know, even yesterday I was just feeling like, will I ever meet my person? I, I don't know. And at the same time, I know that I can trust myself in making that decision again. And I would rather be single forever than compromise on, you know, finding someone who lets me live into my core values and someone that, you know, <clears throat> I can empower to live into their core values.
0: Yeah. Alignment. It feels like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier on in the conversation you mentioned, I'm not at that place. I forget how you phrased it. You know, how all the songs do are people where you could say like,
1: it was all worth re- it. It was all <laughs> worth it.
0: But you know, when you, when you framed your reality right now, to me, what I heard was, you said, even if I remain single for the rest of my life, I am in awe of reality, I am a global citizen, I'm traveling more than I did, I'm back to music. It almost feels like you're more truly yourself than you were before. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's, there's still not the grieving right that you mentioned right. but when you said it i was like oh that's that's kind of that that from where i sit that feels like that feels like it that feels like you mm. are you yes um, sarah before we kind of the conversation comes to a close i'm curious about scripture and faith and how has that potentially complicated things along this journey
1: I had an interesting conversation with my mom kind of in the midst of the, the worst of it. And the worst of it was like a good year and a half. It was bad for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, something along the lines of, you know, how has this affected your faith? And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, I know I will look back on this time and what will stand out to me more than the betrayal and the absolute just unfairness of feeling like all of his decisions affected me so much more than they affected him because he got to go and like live his new life without really any consequence. And I was kind of left spiraling and dealing with, all of these consequences. Um, mm. and sure there's that part of it, but what I'm going to really remember is that my community stepped up and there was so much beauty in people showing up for me in ways that I would never have expected, especially as new friends. Um, and these were all people from my faith community. Um, and I feel like this that showed me, more than anything else, that you know, I, I wasn't going to lose my faith over this. It kind of showed me the beauty of you know, what church and faith are meant to embody.. Um, and so that was a really beautiful thing. It felt like it it kind of made me believe in all of it more, if that made sense.
0: hmm hmm Sarah, um I really find myself inspired. I- I'm not the person who This feels so weird. I felt like so much resistance to saying what feels is true. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I'm not the person to really operate with super intentionality I do in some spaces but my partner is a one she's like you know this is how it's supposed to be done this is how we do it da, 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 da. and I'm much more spontaneous than that and so I'm kind of more f- um, follow the energy kind of a person mm-hmm. but on the back end of this conversation I am seeing I and maybe that's why again the projection and perception where I was like oh wow, the intentionality with which you approach this uncoupling and this moment in life where you're creating new trajectory for today, for like this exact moment right now and for the moments that follow because of this moment. And I just feel so inspired to take seriously my values, to understand that time, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? How do I Mm -hmm. heal from? How are my wounds affecting me? Are, am I yeah. ignoring my essence or my my gut? How mm. can I be more true to that? So I, I feel inspired by that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, It's important. Again, for me, yeah. I, I've never had this kind of inside look at uncoupling in this way. And it's so generous and gracious of you. So my my final question would be what would you say to people who find themselves in a space where they're either preparing to, you know, they're, they're gauging a decision to couple their lives to somebody forever or they're thinking about uncoupling or working through uncoupling? Yeah. What would you speak to that?
1: I would say... Try very hard to be as honest as you can with who you are and who the other person is. Um, See them. I think that our gut tells us a lot more than sometimes we acknowledge. Um, And I think that we're kind of taught not to trust our guts. And so I think there's a lot of like initial... Knowing that you then talk yourself out of or rationalize away. And I think just leaning into being able to trust yourself is so important, both from a, you know, committing your life to someone forever or deciding to part ways. Um, And I would also say it's just. There's a lot of hope um, in the life that you can build with someone or away from someone if that's what needs to happen. And I think that, especially in our 30s, I'm in my late 30s, and I've had so many friends tell me if they've watched me go from being. Married and very traditional and responsible or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Vanilla Sarah is kind of what it feels like, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, To go from that to this like rediscovery and this like really exciting life that doesn't come up without its frustrations. I feel like it's important to (laughs) emphasize. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's been interesting to hear a lot of my friends kind of feel like, oh, well, this is the way my life is, and this is the way it's always going to be. Um, or, you know, oh, it's so brave of you to start learning how to surf at age thirty-four. I could never learn something so complicated and difficult. I'm too old for that. I just think there's a lot of sense of like, this is the way it's always going to be, and or I'm too old to change, or I'm too old to try new things, and. Um, I think it's incredibly important to approach life, no matter how old you are, with this sense of curiosity and um, knowing that there's always going to be evolution. And I think sometimes the reason there isn't evolution is because people convince themselves that it's not possible. And I think that the gift that I was given was that I had to evolve and I had to kind of realized, wait a minute, this life that I'm so angry and hurt that has been taken away from me isn't actually the life that I wanted anyway. So I'm going to rebuild from the ground up. Mm. And I think a lot of people find themselves kind of stuck in their 30s and 40s feeling like this is the way it's always been. This is the life that I've created. And now I'm unhappy. And I, I just don't think that, you know, so many friends are like, oh, I wish I could travel as much as you or I wish I could do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, do it. Do it. Do you think that it's not scary for me to travel solo to all of these countries? Yeah, it's scary. And also, I figure it out. I love it. You know, you just, I don't know. I, I just think that it's so important to stay open.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. That feels... That feels so true to stay open that that admonishment that encouragement to stay open sarah i'm I'm so grateful for again back to like your essence and that you would share the story uh, and give voice to a lot of things that some people are feeling, and some people may feel stuck in relationships. Or in mm-hmm. careers or in just places where yeah. they may have betrayed some of their core values or, or their gut is telling them that there's an adjustment needed. It might not always yeah. be like a huge life shift and you need to be single or you need to do something. Sure. It may just be some, some level of congruence to what is most true for you. How can you begin that conversation with your partner? How can you begin to create more opportunities to travel. Maybe we don't start going to El Salvador. Maybe you start going to Santa Monica or you start nexus yeah. Puerto Rico, still in the United States or Hawaii <laughs> or whatever. But it's like I, I really love that invitation to integrity and congruence and authenticity. Yeah. And and I love the reminder that sometimes we don't get to choose. But what I really love about what you have chosen is how you've chosen responsibility and you have made meaning and you have pursued the things that you always wanted. You've done the egg retrieval various times. You have gone and traveled. You've done all the things to keep pursuing what feels most true to you. And that is an extraordinary inspiration and example. I'm so grateful for you, my sister.
1: I'm so grateful for you too.
0: Yeah. Well, folks, we're going to put Sarah's information. If you want to have a conversation with her, you're going through some stuff. Uh, We'll put her Instagram into the show notes so you can reach out to her, uh, whether it's about being a part of her kind of egg retrieval journeys, or you're thinking about that, or you find yourself in this kind of forced evolution in some way, or you're just thinking about integrity or something about who she is has inspired you and you want to let her know. We will put her information in the show notes. Um, but I love her encouragement to us all to be open. Stay open. It doesn't have to be the way that it has been for the last mm-hmm. two years, three years, five years, or your whole life. It doesn't have to be that way. Let's stay open. You are loved and we are family. Peace. And